Good morning, everybody. How many want to get yoked today? Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you look a little more fit after Pastor Chad guilted all of us into lifting and getting swole, jacked, yoked. We just want to continue uh, the conversation today. Everyone say, get yoked. Help me out. Say it again. Get yoked. We, we want to get yoked as a church family. We are invited to learn how to do life directly from the person who is life, Jesus, which is a pretty good invitation. And the passage that we're going to look at over these next several weeks, it was super encouraging. I was in the restroom, which is um, usually a place of revelation. Can I get an amen? Amen. Come on, who else gets talked to by God? In the, you guys are weird. I'm, I'm not weird saying that God talks to me in the restroom. You're weird. Uh, I already got the, the part three, like just in my heart, boom, for next week. So I can't wait for this week. But we're going to continue this whole, maybe this whole summer on what does it mean to be yoked to Jesus and then follow in his ways, to learn directly from him through his word by his spirit. Sound good? Amen. So I'm just going to, I want to invite us to look at this passage. I just really encourage you to memorize it. I can't tell you how encouraged I've been over these last several weeks. We're just all day throughout the day as the Lord reminds me of this powerful passage. I just quote it. Come to me. all you. How many know it's a game changer when the word gets off of a page and into your heart? And so here's the passage that really frames our conversation. It says this, At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. A little bit of context, Jesus just denounced two or three or four towns that he did a ton of miracles in, But all of those who got touched and healed and the power of, they got to see the power of God and heaven invade the earth, they didn't come to repentance and believe that Jesus was the king of Israel. And so when he's saying, Father, thank you that you've hidden these things, what he's saying is, Jesus can be right in front of your face, but unless the Father reveals Jesus to your spirit, you will miss him. So everyone say, I'm at the mercy of the Father's revelation. Amen. So he's saying, I've hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent. Another way, in other words, no person, boy or girl or man or woman can discern by their own intellect their way into a vibrant relationship with God. It takes God to know God, as they say. And so he says, I've hidden these things from those who culture esteems as wise and sophisticated and intelligent. I reveal the secrets of my kingdom to infants. This is the one time it's okay to not want to grow up. And that's his gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal them. So this is the context. It feels like God... Why do you hide yourself? Why do I have to go through Jesus to get to the Father? And why why can I not just get there on my own, but that I've got to be brought into a relationship through the God who pursues me for relationship? So that's the context of our come to me, take my yoke passage. And why I love that is it's just a simple reminder that from the even before you and I think about maybe starting a relationship with God, God has already thought about a relationship with you. You know why? It's like a built-in buffer of humility. It wasn't your idea to come to me, and it's not even solely only your idea to stay with me. I'm working before you, beside you, above you, below you, behind you, and inside of you. And it's just a built-in buffer to realize, whoa, I need God. Anyone know any needy people? It's okay to be a needy person that needs God. Can I get an amen? 
I just want to stay. In fact, Jesus starts the great Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who know that apart from God, you are spiritually bankrupt. Do I have any people who know that today? Apart from him, I've got nothing, but in him, I've got everything. So that's the context. Let's read this all together out loud. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I love St. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, says, Lord, you've made us restless. You've made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. How many buy it today? How many have known restlessness, angst, anxiety until you met the one who alone could give you rest and peace? So let's pray and ask God to bless his word. Father, I ask right now that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would just just break in and break through every heart and every mind in this place. And I, I ask, Lord, for the grace to say yes more and more to the invitation that we're considering over these next few weeks. That God, through Jesus, wants to teach, form, and fill my whole life with his life. Show us your beauty and your glory today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many have ever prayed a prayer like this? Lord, take control. Raise your hand. And as we get started on yoked part two, I just want to have a conversation about control versus commitment. How many would say that God wants to control our life? A few. Maybe you'll not raise your hand in like three minutes when I describe the difference, but how many believe God's not so much after control as he is people who wholeheartedly commit themselves to him in relational love? How many think maybe it's a little bit of both? I don't know, because he's God, I'm not. I mean, <laughs> I look at this, high control, low commitment level. Can I talk to those who've got kids or grandkids? <laughs> low control, high commitment level. I just describe it like this. Uh, several years ago, I was walking on, on Grover Beach and just prayer walking and enjoying a beautiful time with Jesus and just a shameless plug. If you're stuck in your devotional life, get out and walk and talk to God. Yeah. Do I have any walkers and talkers and listeners? Or I have just had a wonderful inundation of, of his sweetness. I've always been a runner, but even on top of running, I'll just... My wife doesn't need me. I'm out of here. I'm going to go walk. Kids are sleeping or whatever. And I just, I had a beautiful walk this morning. Just, um, anyway, one of those days I was walking on the beach and I saw a little yippy dog. Let's call it a chihuahua. No offense to those chihuahua owners. But it was a thing of, it's like chalkboard nail. This little dog was like, Come on, do that to your neighbor. <laughs> to its master, it was just obscene. It was ridiculous. The master, the, the, the owner, you know, basically had to like lift the dog with the leash to get it to where it wanted to go. <laughs> you know, and then it was biting the master's foot. And, and I was like, gosh, I don't want a little dog. Um, and I'm serious, a minute or two later, this beautiful lab, big dog, with its owner, with its master, no leash. I got goosebumps. Perfect stride with its master. This master had a ball. No way a chihuahua could handle the ball. I mean way out into the ocean. Well, do I need to stay by... I mean, it would just, 
explore and expand and it would find its way back to the master. Again, no leash in unison with the master's desire. And I remember just walking thinking, first of all, I'm never buying a chihuahua. (laughs) Come on, not everything's spiritual. Maybe that is a spiritual thing. I don't know. Someone who has a chihuahua is going to email me later. And I'm just telling you, I'm not going to respond. So (laughs) So email if you want. It'll find the spam folder. (laughs) But the Lord, it was like as clear as day. You know where I'm going. You all know. You're smart, intelligent people. The Lord's like, I don't want chihuahuas. I don't, listen, I would argue, even though he is sovereign, he's in control. I'm I'm not belittling his massiveness and grandeur. But when it comes to his image bearers, he wants us high commitment level. He wants us to experience that expansive exploration, adventurous life of just having that homing beacon in our spirit. We know where home is and we never venture off too far. But we know his eye is on us. He's empowering us. He's, he's, he's pushing us towards exploring our redemptive potential. And the Lord's like, be a lab, not a chihuahua. And I just, I believe that even though we're, we're talking about being yoked to Jesus, there's this picture in John 10 about him being our shepherd that, that he's the door and the gate. He's like 80 million names. Jesus is so dynamic. You'll never stop exploring the riches of who he is. But there's this passage that they'll come in and they'll go out and they'll, they'll find rest. And they're, how many know this is the kind of relationship God wants with us in Jesus? In fact, one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 32, where the Lord says, I don't want to control you like, a, like an ox or a mule that need a bit and a bridle to be jerked around. I love it. I want to counsel you with my loving eye upon you. How many just see that beautiful picture? Just the, you can just see the master-dog relationship. You're way more valuable than a dog. No offense to dog people, but you are. You bear his image. But just as we talk about being yoked to Jesus, I want to make sure we're all on the same page. Jesus talks so much about commitment because he knows if we're all in, He's not actually out to control us. He wants us to partner with him out of a place of, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I'm in. Because you say so, Lord, I'm all, I love your, how many know Jesus wants to create and shape us to be new humans as we find our life yoked to Jesus? Are you tracking with me? And so this is why, this is why he talks about, because we talked about it last week. Just go check out the message. Yoke that is easy, burden that is light. How many of would say it's a little bit hard following Jesus? Can I get any honest people in the house? Everyone else is lying. It's hard. It's, what does he mean easy or good or right? Um, this verse helps that conversation. Let's read it together out loud on the screen. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. So which one is it, Jesus? I'm under the contention the more we try to take control and do things in our own wisdom, intelligence, as if we're God and He's not, how many know the burden starts getting heavier? And so this call to take my yoke is a simultaneous call to take up your cross. And when you take up your cross, you're free from the tyranny of having to run your own life and run your own world and be your own sustainer, your own source. How many know the the testimony of coming up empty, running dry? And so which one is it? Is it easy or is it heavy? Is it a cross or is it rest? The answer is yes. 
I would argue that it's our perpetual desire to be in control in the main driver's seat that actually makes the burden heavy. Can I get an amen? When we're the ones calling the shots, running the show, being in charge. At some point, relationally, physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually, the wheels go off the rails. Father, thank you that you've hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent. But you've revealed them to little infants. When we're weary and we're carrying heavy burdens and it's at the end of ourselves, Jesus is actually ready to have a conversation. How many know that God is infinitely wise and he knows when to have a conversation with us? It's in that place when the wheels go off the the rails that Jesus' words pierce through our heaviness, despair, and distraught state. And he says, I can help you with that if you'll trust me. How many have known the gentle whisper in a place of lowness? Not the face that like a, you know, you're training your dog not to go potty in the house. None of you do this where you stick their head in the... Was that just my parents? Were we not good with animals? Don't go and... How many know that's not how God operates? He gets down in the dirt with us and he lifts our face and he looks at us and he says, will you trust me now? Now that you've come to the end of yourself... I love how Eugene Peterson spells this out. Abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer. Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls, but you spelled it out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. And many times when, when, when we hear the invitation to rest, when we hear the invitation to take the yoke of Jesus to do life with him, to submit the the, the command center. And we find a God who says, no, I don't want to control your life. I want to change your life so that we can do life together. But many times, because of our propensity to want to take back the reins, we experience that perpetual roller coaster of heaviness. Am I talking to anyone in the house today? And the Lord is saying, I don't want you to take it back. Stay yoked with me. Walk with me. I know, I know how to carry the heaviness. I know how to face and overcome the obstacle that seems impossible in front of you right now. Learn from me. Learn from me. Um, shameless plug. We have a baptism at the end of July. Who has never been baptized? Don't raise your hand, don't wanna call you out. Um, Baptism is this invitation of God to put our foot in the sand and say, Lord, I'm dying to the life of self-rule. I wanna rise to new life in Jesus Christ. Baptism really is the the picture of someone who is saying yes to being yoked to Jesus for life. Does that make sense? It's a dying, it's the, you know, take up your cross and fall. I'm dying to calling the shots. I'm rising to new life in Jesus Christ. So if you want to be baptized, please. Um, Jesus uh, is really, really serious about over the next three weeks, we're going to have baptism class right in the conference room. Go through these doors. It's a 20-minute class. Just if you haven't been baptized, come find out more about baptism. That's going to be after the service for the next week, three weeks. All in favor, say aye. aye. Uh, uh, I really, really want to encourage you to that. We're going to have a, a barbecue, just super fun time. We might even play Frisbee or your favorite game at the beach. So baptism is that, that, that living example of someone who's taking seriously the call to be yoked to Jesus for life. How many want a life sentence of learning how to do life directly from Jesus? To be freed from the tyranny of having to run your own life and sustain your own world. Well, so that was all introduction. Okay, here's the message. It's not funny. I don't know why you're laughing. That was a 
the message is very short. So that was intro. So as we're yoked to Jesus, remember, what did he say? We come to him in our weariness. He gives us rest. But then what is that next phrase? Learn from me. Everyone say, learn from me. One more time. And so my question all week has been, what am I supposed to learn? Decent question. Turn to your neighbor. Shrug your shoulder. What are we supposed to learn? And that's really what's driven this whole series ideas. Okay, he told me to learn from him, but what do I need to learn? I asked a couple of people this week, when you say yes to the yoke of Jesus and you enter into lifelong class, what's the first lesson? There were some good answers from some people I asked. How to discern and hear the voice of God. Pretty good one. Right? What do you think the first class would be? In the yoked to Jesus school. What? Trust. She said trust. How many think that'd be probably a pretty decent class? What else? Come on. Repentance. Probably a good class. Forgiveness, really good class, good thing to learn. What else? Thankfulness, I love it, pretty good class. Love, someone said love, not a bad answer, not a bad answer to learn love. Rest, obedience. So all of you may be right, so so just pat yourself on the back, because how would I know what the first class is? But I was on a prayer walk way early in the week. On Monday, I think, I was at the second pier of Avila, just walking and talking and listening to the Lord. And I, I think I could be wrong. So don't email me. How do you know at the first class? I don't know. I think. <laughs> I think the first thing that Jesus wants to teach us after we say yes to his yoke is how to relate to God as our Father. Just write it down or think about it. Really, the first lesson? I hope to make the argument over the next 10 minutes very quickly of why I think if that insight, that when I'm yoked to Jesus, I have a God that I can call Father, That if I can learn and live out of that lesson, the whole life of the kingdom and life and God's spirit opens up before our eyes. I think the first thing he wants to teach us, hey, I'm so glad you came to me in your weariness and you said yes to my yoke. Let me introduce you to our father. Wait, he's my, yes, our father. How do I know that or why do I think that? Uh, In Luke 2, when Jesus is just a boy, he's already living with an awareness that he's no ordinary boy. Remember, his family leaves him and, oh, we lost Jesus. In Luke 2, three-day walk, where's Jesus? Uh, Whoever has the joke, I love it, talking to God, hey, God, I lost God. Your son, can can you help Someone who ever made that joke up is way better at it. Just YouTube it. But there's this, this reality that, that Jesus says this, why are you looking for me? I had to be in my father's house. Right? Remember when Jesus was baptized and he, before he did one miracle, one teaching, had any followers or any fans or any miracles, he was baptized. And what happened at his baptism? A voice came from heaven and said, you are my son whom I love with you I am well pleased and so there's this declaration in the life of Jesus that I'm yoked to that before he does anything he lets his father speak a word over his life his identity his vocation and my argument in the school of yoked with Jesus Jesus wants to teach us that we have a father 
that we have a father. We see Jesus living his entire life in this awareness that he has a father who loves him. Uh, There's three really big questions that every human asks. Who am I? Do you think that's probably a pretty big question that, raise your hand if you think that's probably near the top three questions humans ask about life. Identity. And at the baptism, what does he get? Read it with me. My son whom I love. Uh, Why am I here or why do I exist? What's my mission or my vocation or my purpose? How many think that's probably maybe number two on the list? Maybe number one for some people in whom I'm well pleased. I'm here to please the Father, to do his will. And then how am I going to do it, right? There's one thing to know what I'm called to and who I am, but how am I going to get there? Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, sometimes that's where most of us get stuck. I don't know how to get there. Maybe you don't have opportunity or you just, I've known that wrestle. And Jesus knows that He's going to please the Father by laying down his life on the cross, by saying yes to him all the way to that day. Amen. And and, and I'm, I'm convinced that Jesus lived his whole life with these words of his Father's declaration echoing in his spirit. And that's why he was able to be free from the tyranny of how to having to please people to fit in certain molds or boxes. Come on, how many have ever been stuck in the endless cycle of trying to be a people pleaser? How many have ever been stuck by living for the applaud or the approval of others instead of knowing there's a God and Father who already approves and loves you? Jesus was able to navigate the complexities of his day when people had plenty of opinions on what kind of king he was supposed to be. But because he knew that he had a father, he was able to navigate the difficult journey of answering those three questions. Who am I? Why am I here? And how am I going to get there? But because he knew he had a father and that, fa- that revelation of a father that was over him, that could see him, provided this covering and canopy for Jesus to navigate and traverse the difficulty of his vocational calling with a 100% score on his test report card. Because he had a father. A father. Who am I? Why am I here? How will I accomplish your mission. I believe God, Jesus wants to teach us how to relate to God as our Father and rely on our Father's approval and delight over every other competing voice, opinion, ideology, or option out there. How many believe that this really is where most of the fight happens between our ears? Oh, why don't you just be a little bit more like them? Or what? you need a little bit more of that? Or you can't really open up to them if they knew. How many believe it's just this onslaught of voices and opinions and thoughts of what you should or shouldn't? But how many know there's only one voice that leads you to life, the Father's voice? I am conv- I'm just convinced. I could be wrong. The first lesson is he... he Because listen, I know this is elementary. That's why I've been praying all week. So I'm hoping it's coming with revelation. Because I know everyone knows, oh yeah, God's my father, of course. No, stop. God is your father. (laughs) Jesus was resolved just really quick. And then I only do what I hear and see the father do. I can do nothing by myself. I only do and say and see and do what my father does. I know that my father is always with me because I do what pleases him. He's with me. I know that my whole life is that if you look at me like father, like son, did you know you're meant to bear the resemblance of your father in heaven? The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. It seems that Jesus' whole long, I'm sorry, whole short ministry was just bent on this one thing. I want to reveal the Father so that they know that they'll, they have a Father, that they're secure in His arms and nothing can shake them if you know you have a Father. I go to prepare a place for you, uh, I, you know, to the Father. My Father's house, it's about preparing a place for the Father's house. And then in a radical turn of events, He's like, you know that house someday, your eternal destiny, but in the meantime, we want to live inside of you. Me and the Father want to make our home in you. 
Jesus wants to teach us how to relate to God as our Father. We're yoked to Him. And He's saying, now, lesson number one, if you get this and live this, it will open up all of the dynamics of the kingdom if you'll let it. Why does He want to teach us this? Great question. It changes everything. When God is our Father, we belong to a family. How many know you didn't get to choose your biological situation or family? Maybe you had a great dad, bum dad, absent dad, or family, or mom, and there's all sorts of things and baggage and wounds and hurts, but did you know that there is a God who wants to be your father that Jesus perfectly reveals? You have a father that's looking out for you to care for you. Father speaks of a source of security provision and protection. One who will, is a champion who sees your end and cheers you on until you're running in your redemptive potential. A definitive voice that breaks through the noise and says, you are valuable and you are worthy because you bear my mark. The one who disciplines us consistently and compassionately and always in a spirit of grace. When this insight hits us, it changes everything. I belong to a family, that there's a God and Father who looks after me. He is my security, my provision, and my protector. I love that you're yoked with me, Chad. Now, let me teach you something. We've got a really great father. (laughs) And of course, it really helps because many of us, we can't even relate to God as father because of our own brokenness. Look to Jesus. He is the perfect manifestation of what the father's like. Which means, because Jesus said it in our verse that's holding this whole series together, I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. How many know it's a game changer when you have revelation that there's a father who is gentle and humble in heart? Uh, This week I was, my kids found some old journals when I was 14 years old. Would you pity me and allow me to read an excerpt? You see, I didn't know the gentle and humble heart of a father when I was 14. That's why I want to read it. That's why all week, all I've been able to do is just pray, Father, I can't preach eloquent. You've got to reveal that you're inviting them to become your sons and daughters on Sunday. I don't know how to preach it, but when you know he's your father, it changes everything about your life. I don't, I'm trying, you know, because I just was reading this. Can I just read it unedited? Oh, sorry. I was 14, okay? This was on November 3rd, 1998. This was just laying in my house. They found an old journal somewhere all ripped out. Thank you, kids. I'm sucking it up. I can't even read my own writing. I'm not even going to say how I've failed you. It's all because I'm not strong in you. I have to be discipled in your word and in my journal as well as prayer. If prayer is talking straight to you and works, then why aren't I doing it? If it truly does work, why don't I take the time and find out for myself? This is funny. The reason I blew up at my sister was because I was not right with you, O Lord. Why did I not believe that your word is a lamp unto my feet? I can live a pure and holy life. Yet, God, that's just so hard sometimes for me to do. It's all because I need your help so severely. (laughs) I need you at all times. I mean, I need to be a Christian, not just at church, but also at school. 
Jesus, I need simply to thirst and hunger after you, and that's the bottom line, because you said so. And, you know, whatever, it's so cute. But as I found these journal entries from 14-year-old me, I realized that I have a father that sees my end from my current condition. And he's gentle and humble. And he wants to walk with me until I'm there. And I read these these beautiful journal entries that the Lord loves. I know he loves. They're so heavy. (laughs) As if like I'm like a 14-year-old, like I need to be, but they're treasure to me. Because you know why? Because I've learned a little bit that I have a father that loves me that's not going to zap me when I blow it. (sighs) Listen, you need to know you've got a father that is, that's why I said he disciplines you consistently and compassionately. Uh, You know, he's consistent. And how many know different types of discipline in moments call for different types of being a father. And what I didn't know as a 14-year-old is that God wasn't always with a grimace and a growl and a scowl out to get me. And I want you to know if that's your picture of the father, it is an inadequate picture to sustain you for the long haul. You have a God and father that is humble and gentle and he looks just like Jesus. So why is it so important First of all, today, every single person can call God Father if you believe that Jesus is the perfect son. Is that good news? Every person in here has the right, the the Greek word for power, exousia, means right or authority or power. It means you have the power, someone say power, not to work your way up some mountain or fulfill some code or ethic, but when you look to Jesus and see his brilliance and his beauty and his sufficiency and supremacy and say, I'll take him, he can have me, I want him, you have the right, the right that God gave you by virtue of drawing you by his spirit and then by his spirit conceiving brand new life in you on the inside, you have the right to become children of God. Every person in here can say, God is my father. Pretty good news. Not a bad day to go to church. I can call God father. Here's what happens if you begin to live. This is, I'm saying it's a journey. I'm not saying it's like a one and done. God's my father. Because everyone can just talk about it, but then you live like an orphan. You live like it's all dependent upon you. You live like you have to get even with those who hurt you instead of going to the Father and saying, Father, straighten them out, because I can't. When this happens, here's what happens. We begin to live from a place of acceptance, not striving for it. Did you know that in Christ you are accepted by the Father? No more striving. I, want, I accept you in and through Jesus. You are my son and or daughter. It means you can live from a place of significance, not have to be gutted in your whole life trying to go find something that makes you significant. It means you can live from a place of favor and blessing instead of seeking, striving, whatever you got to do to go find being in a place of favor. This is why he wants to teach us we have a father. And then you get to live from a place of being delighted in instead of selling yourself to the highest bidder so that someone takes delight in you. Did you know that there is a father, even a 14-year-old, super legalistic, hard on myself, having to get saved every day at the altar, that there is a father even then who delighted in me? I remember just a couple months ago, I was driving to work, and I just want you to know how real this is. It's not just everyone knows God's my father. No, you got to live like it. You got to experience. I was driving to work, and 
just out of the blue, I was looking at the vineyards and the fields as I was on my way in. And just that, that real sense in my car, I just said out loud, God, you delight in me. And that's really awesome. Just like that. No one was in the car except for him with me. When you know you're delighted in, when you know you're accepted, when you know you have significance and you know you've got the favor of God on your life, do you know that that frees you from all of the sin, snares, and struggles that usually trip us up along the way? Everyone say, I'm accepted through Jesus. I have significance in Jesus. I have favor in Jesus. I am delighted in by my Father in heaven. I was going to go through all these statistics about, because, you know, science and data all prove it. When, when we don't live with the awareness of a biological father or the father, everything changes. Uh, it just doesn't seem right uh, to go through all these statistics, I can, I can give you to them later, and it's all data-driven, but let's just suffice it to say, sociology, psychology, backup theology, or maybe back, backwards, theology, whatever, however, however you get there. What happens when someone knows that there's a father that covers them, that's their source of protection, provision, security, identity, value, significance, worth, that they know you're in from your beginning, that they'll be your biggest champion and coach all along the way, that they're gentle and humble. When that seizes your spirit, it will revolutionize your life one day at a time. Hey, Chad, I'm super glad you're yoked with me. Now, here's lesson number one. You've got a father. How many believe the good news that it's true? We've got a father. So what are we supposed to do practically? First of all, if you've really never said yes to following Jesus. Jesus the Son shows what God the Father is like. <sighs> and back to the you know, first part of our verse, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those who the Son draws in revelation. So first action point is if the Lord's drawing you to himself to just open up and say yes. How many wish it was more complicated and hard to start a relationship with God? <laughs> yes. I, I want. And how many would say today, I, I want a relationship with God? I want, maybe you want to start one for the first time. Is there anyone like that today? You just say, I, I want to start a relationship. Anyone? You just raise your hand. Probably a lot of you already have a relationship with God. That's why you're here. Um, step number two practical action step, you can ask this simple question, Lord, say, Lord, what lies, wounds, have formed my vision of a father that you want to address today? Lord, what barriers are there in my mindset or in my soul that are blocking this lesson that Jesus wants to teach me, that I have a father. Just take 20 seconds and ask him that. I've no, he'll show you. He'll tell you. And just say this simple prayer. Just say, Jesus, replace the lie with your truth that I have a father that looks like Jesus, who's humble and gentle. And because I have a father, I'm accepted, I have favor, I have significance, I am delighted in and rejoiced over. Because I have a father, I have a provider, 
protector. Because I have a father, I have a purpose. And I have a coach who knows my end from my current condition. And he wants to encourage me every step of the way. Just raise your hand today and we'll close. Is God talking to anyone in the house about wanting to, you to live more out of the revelation that he's your father? You just lift your hand. Just, I want to live out of this place. That God is my father. And then lastly, can I talk to dads and granddads? Can you just nod your head at me just for, just for a minute? If you're still breathing... Most of you are breathing in this room. Your days aren't over. Chad, I was a great dad. Or Chad, I was a terrible dad. Chad, I'm a... Guess what? Today you can be yoked to Jesus and you can learn how to be fathered by a father and he can form you into one who can help encourage your kids or grandkids. How many are thankful for his grace right here and right now? There's no sense in... Look at your calendar. It's not too late to pour into your kids or grandkids. Be them biological or spiritually adopted. Look at your calendar. Make space. Everyone say, make space. It's not too late. Say, it's not too late. Come on, like you mean it, men. It's not too late. It's not too late to pour into your kids. Jesus wants to teach you how to be a father. Build memories, create moments. And you know what I'm finding? Because I'm a rookie, even though I've got four. I am a rookie. Do I got any other rookies with me? Or... Take the call to Sabbath seriously. It's funny, our passage is talking about rest. We don't talk about it much. But set a day and turn off your stinking devices and pour into your family, be them biological or spiritual. Who wants to take that challenge? Come on, I need someone who's willing to take that challenge. Turn off the device, put it in a cabinet, lock it, give it to your somebody. It's amazing what a day of unhurried, uninterrupted, being presently present with those that God's called you to love, nurture, and care for. How much time a day is if you're not distracted with blue light, the screen. Who wants to take that challenge this week? One day, shut it off, and you'll be amazed, first of all, how cool your kids or grandkids are. Right? And as we close, I just want to give you a rapid fire. The father that you can call father, what he looks like. A father who runs to us in our rebellion, brokenness, and sin. Not with a grimace and a growl, but with robes and a ring and shoes for our naked feet. We have a father who comforts us in all of our troubles we have a father of light who doesn't hang out in the shadows and he's the giver of every good and perfect gift. We have a father who is in heaven and he's holy and he loves when you approach him morning, noon, and night when you need grace and mercy to help you in your time of need. You have a father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derive its name. You have a father that you have immediate and perpetual access to morning, noon, or night. You have a father who disciplines us not because he's mad, but because he wants to bring you closer to himself so that you can share in his life. You have a father who has, if he's not only given us his son, how will he not also graciously give us all things that we would need to experience the life that Jesus died to give us? You have a father that rejoices over you with singing. You have a father who has raised you and will one day raise you with his son. And you have a father who is great in love and he's rich in mercy. Hey, Jesus, what do you want to teach us today? 
Unyoked part two, that we've got a father. Stand up on your feet with me. And Justin, I'm just going to have us read this passage, this prayer out loud together. So I'm going to take over the screen. Did I take it over? I'm going to make it bigger. Don't trip. Whoop. I love when Jesus says, when you pray, don't babble on and on. They think their prayers are answered by repeating words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need before you ask Him. Pray like this. Can you read it with me? Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Let's pray. God, I just thank you today as we learn what it means to do life with you. I thank you today that we have a father who loves us. I pray, God, that all week we, have, we couldn't escape the thought that I don't have to go down that rabbit trail of despair, of anxiety, of worry. I don't have to go down that rabbit trail of compromise. I don't have to believe that lie. Why? I've got a father who speaks a better word over my life. Lord, I pray that this simple truth would find a place to call home in the heart and mind and life of every person in this room and those watching online. That you would mark us as those who have a father. Draw us close to yourself and then let us live out of that place of rest. Yoked to Jesus. Learning how to do all of life with him. We pray this in Jesus' name and we all said amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got a father.